So you don't really want to stop that flow mode by going into Twitter and like checking the notifications. You want to just write it, don't get distracted by anything else and keep working so you can come up with more content. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talk to JK Molina. JK lives in Guatemala and grew his account with almost 3,000 new followers in August. He went from a meager 41 profile visits in March to over 40,000 visits in August. In this episode, you'll learn how to become a tweet machine just like JK and how to grow your following fast. My name is Yannick, co-founder here at Hype Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. You've been on uh, on Twitter since like 2011. You've not always been this active. I created it, but it was like, when everybody was doing it, I, th- I thought I started my Twitter because I wanted to watch soccer news or something as a kid, but I didn't really pay attention to it. I started tweeting seriously in April, right when Corona hit. I didn't really do anything else. So I just kept tweeting and here we are. A lot of people, I guess, have seen your tweet where you say you tweeted like, 2600 times in a month <laughs> yeah is, is that, that too much that, i think yeah. <laughs> no it's funny because i'm like more the guy who tries to put out quality tweets so you know my basic level is like four to five quality tweets a day <laughs> that would be my level but but you can churn out like 2300 you know and that's everything right that's you know just stuff on your timeline and then comments but that's still you know a huge number that's 10 times as much as i tweet in a month you know i, I tweet like two three hundred times but you double how i have a couple of techniques right so one i do which is pretty much like make sure you have good content is when i wake up i have my notes from a book i read last night right so i read at night i just take notes i don't think about tweeting i just you know take regular notes then I open Hype Fury in the morning, and it's important to be to use uh, that I use Hype Fury, and it's not because I'm selling your product here, but it's just I don't want to get distracted by notifications and stuff from Twitter. So I just get in, and I just use my notes and trying to you know see what can I convert into tweets. That's one thing. The other one I do is sometimes I go into like I have my swipe file, which is like a hundred and something tweets like the went viral. And when you read those tweets and when you like curate the content you consume, you kind of get a hang of which tweets do well, right? So when I see it, I might connect it with something else I thought the other day. And then I just sit an hour and I get like, what, like 30, 40 tweets done. I don't schedule consistently. I just have very intense sessions when I go over my notes. I rarely tweet off the hip. Wow. And so you read every night? Yeah, pretty much. Then in the morning, you open up uh, Hyperion, you schedule about 30, 40, 50 tweets. And is that for a single day or is that how many tweets do you do per day? So when I work, I always have like three tabs open, right? It's the music tab, it's whatever I'm doing, and then it's Hyperion. So what I do is if I learn something new while I work, I will tweet it right? or I'll just schedule it. There are days where I just schedule like two tweets, four tweets, but then I have like one day specifically where I just go over my notes and that like leaves me space for the whole week, right? So I just go intense and I don't really like to tweet on my phone. I use my notes. If I see something like most of my best tweets come when I take a walk, right? So I just open notes and I then come back and I schedule it. Because the thing is, the more you work, 
the more you get access to like new types of knowledge and new types of practices that you're doing. So you don't really want to stop that flow mode by going into Twitter and like checking the notifications. You want to just like write it, don't get distracted by anything else and keep working so you can like come up with more content. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, it's interesting. And so in March, you had like a dozen tweets. Uh, you probably just started again or something. Or was that the moment when you switched from Spanish to English and you started tweeting more regularly? I mean, I didn't really take Twitter too seriously at that time. It was like, you know how you begin, you're like, everything has to be perfect, right? And if your tweet is not viral, then you kind of get depressed. And that's like the mentality I had at the beginning. But then I just like stopped caring. And that's something I tell accounts, like your best content is probably from your first month because you didn't really care who was looking, but it was just you. So that's what I did. I just tweeted whatever came to mind. And eventually I kind of picked up steam. And so the tweets you initially did like in March, which, which didn't get a lot of traction, did you like redo them now where you have like seven, 8,000 followers or how, how did you go about? The thing is when I started tweeting, I look back at my tweets from my first month, right? So I was like, okay, what did I tweet when I did not care who was looking, right? Because it's easy to get caught up in, oh, engagement and this all these formats. And the thing about that is when you get people telling you, do this, do that, you kind of lose the, like, being genuine on your tweets. So I look back and say, okay, what was I doing differently? And it was pretty much that. I tell people that all the time, like, look back at your first month. Like, just do it. Who were you in the first month? And then you kind of get a vibe of, okay, so this is me. This is what I'm supposed to talk about. Because when you don't, it's like, it's like you're doing a disservice to yourself by not being genuine. So you will get stressed eventually. Uh, it's really important to stay close to who you are, close to your heart. It's a bit double, maybe. You know, you have to be really comfortable to tweet, but you also have to, you know, hit the right vibe to, you know, it's how to build your tweets, how, what topics to tweet about, but you can still, you know, bring them in a way that's, that's close to your heart, I guess. For sure. You don't want to like talk about stuff because it's hot, right? And there's a couple things that we all share, right? Self-improvement, like accountability, but there's always an angle you can give to your own content. You cannot just like tweet mindset, uh, hustle, money, emoji, and fire emoji. Like put some, some of you in it like what's your specific knowledge what do you do better than everybody else and then if you combine like you know general messages with your own twist that's when you kind of thrive because you don't really have to think about how do i make this tweet engaging you just kind of tweet and what you feel in the moment i think a lot of people struggle with this though what would you say to people who are just starting out on twitter you know they did their first 12 tweets back in march and they you know they didn't get any traction what would you say to them there's kind of a paradox here right because it's people tell you to be genuine but like the only way to grow if you're like below 500 followers is you gotta engage with big accounts right so that's no secret but they tell you to be genuine so which one is it and the way i i would do it is if i went back I realized I just kissed too much ass in the comments <laughs> and I like that kind of threw off a vibe that I'm not genuine. So what I would do if I were you, if you were just starting is I would absolutely befriend bigger accounts, right? Because a retweet from them can do more than half an hour engaging with a lot of accounts on your snipe list. So like if you make friends with bigger accounts, 
kind of see what they want. If they have an ugly design, do it for them for free, which is actually what I did. So yeah, if you can do something for them and then tweak your genuine content, then you kind of have help both ways, right? You don't have to engage because they will help you. They will engage with you. So yeah, it's true that you have to engage with bigger accounts, but what's more valuable beginning is to befriend them, connect with them, tell them when your story, like, you know, 99% of their DMs are going to be like, Hey, I just wanted to connect or like the guy who just asked for money. Right. But if you're the guy that actually like tells a story, like sends this tweet and say, Hey, this resonated with me or like kind of start a healthy debate, you will get befriend them. They will follow you and they will engage with you. That's miles more valuable than just mindlessly engaging with platitudes. That's what I think. Hey, you talked about your snipe list. Huh? So in general, that's just a list of people you want to engage with. You want to, you know, slide into the DMs or whatever. How do you build yours? What do you look for? I have had like three to four different snipe lists depending on what I'm targeting, right? So when I first began, which was like money and entrepreneurship, I had a ton of people with money and entrepreneurship. Then social skills, I had like pickup artists and they gain people. And then when I moved to free thinking and influence, I had more people who were in self-improvement. And the thing about them in this three they had in common is these guys had the audience I wanted to have. And that's very important because then if you comment them and you read the comments, you're going to get the people you want to target, right? And that's just something we do. When you we look at a good tweet, we just click on it and we kind of go through the comments. So you want to have people on your snipe list that had the audience you want to have not the ones that get the most engagement. And so give me specifics. How did you, you know, build that list of 10 people? Did you just uh, do a Twitter search on, on keywords or did you know already who you'd, you'd add to the list? What did you do? You, you kind of know which people vibe the same way. But something I also did is I found one, like just in Twitter search. And then eventually I just found somebody that they retweeted. Oh, it was a similar account. And you know, these guys have very similar keywords. So it's like, let's say game. It's like women, pickup artists, um, I don't know, sex, you know, that stuff. So if you look for them, you will find them. And they usually, these big accounts, they connect with each other. So you, you just go through one feed and you'll find like five, six accounts you can put in your list easily. And so you said you're not looking for accounts that got a lot of retweets, a lot of engagement. You actually look for accounts that match what you talk about a lot. Why did you make that decision? Because I saw a couple accounts. This account followed me. He's like, he had like 30,000 followers, right? So I got all excited. Then I look at it and I look at his account and it's like every tweet's got two likes. That just gives a bad vibe, right? It's I think it's better to have a low follower count but big engagement than be huge and nobody, you know, nobody engaging with you. Because then, I'm sure you know more about this, but I kind of think they all go punishes you if you have a big follower account with little engagement. So I'd rather just balance those out, right? And the best way to do that is to get people that resonate with your content and you get that by engaging with people who have you, the audience you want to have. I thought you were saying, hey, I'd rather follow people who are really like spot on what I talk about and don't look so much at what engagement rate they have versus, you know, people who are a bit further away from what I talk about, but have a, you know, like a, a bigger engagement rate. No, no, you really, like the metric here is when you teach something, are they going to care about it? And if you like, let's say I could share a couple of things with people who talk about stocks, 
right? I don't know anything about stocks. I don't, th- I don't even think you can trade from where I am. But the thing is, they talk about money and stuff. And it could be like tempting to just go in and comment with them. But I don't really want their following because they talk about something else. So you want to kind of niche down and narrow it like, okay, who would I trade places with and still would be able to be genuine and be myself? And um, right now you've grown a lot since uh, last month. What are your plans? Because right now you have like your free Twitter course. What are your plans uh, for the future? That's actually interesting. If you asked me two weeks ago, I would have answered you something differently. But now I looked at my Twitter and I was like, okay, so... Do I want to be the guy, like the Twitter growth guy? You know, there's a lot of them, so I don't really want to be that. So I think that it's a good combination to kind of do Twitter, of course, and teach people how to grow their Twitter because, well, if you grew yours, you know what you're doing, right? But you can also move into other things, right? Like you're not only Twitter growth, you're something else. I tweeted this, you were born for more than writing a Twitter growth guide. And I actually believe that. So what I'm going for now is like men's self-improvement. I like a lot of free thinking and, you know, kind of competence and kind of, you know, help men be better. So that's what I'm focusing on. I'm going to launch a free guide and I'm actually excited about it because I think it's very valuable when your account is multidimensional. When you only tweet about one thing, it's like, okay, cool, you're an account. But if you tweet about more things about you, about like showing how you have several interests, like Sami is a good example of this because I think his bio is, I write code and I lift heavy weights, <laughs> something like that. So that's a multidimensional account, right? So you're like, okay, he's a person. He's not an account, he's a person. So I, I think it's valuable for you to like kind of go into several ventures without losing track of where you want to go. Why did you choose to be like an anonymous account because i'm young <laughs> and people really don't take take you seriously if you're a 20 year old i'm 20 by the way and you know i had an avatar of my face this is actually a funny story i had an avatar of my face on the on my profile picture up to like a thousand followers when i hit a thousand somebody posted this image of a the june guy the, the one i have on my profile it's a book called dune it just immediately clicked with me, right? So I just put it as a profile. And because I had a more serious profile picture, I just kind of started tweeting more seriously, kind of live up to that mantra. Right? And it kind of helped. Rogel's a good example of this because he had Ian McShane. When he tweeted, you could kind of like hear it was Ian talking to you. Right. So it helps. (laughs) All right. You get a certain vibe, of course, when you see somebody's uh, profile picture and it's not a 20 year old and you definitely have a different vibe. But on the other side, you could say, hey, if I want to teach men stuff, okay, as a 20 year old, you might not be the, you know, the best person to do it. But on, on the other hand, you know, if you built a following around what you say and do, that in itself might be enough for people to, you know, seek guidance. Yeah, so that's why I kind of keep my anonymous and mysterious mantra. All right. And tell me a little bit about something else on your bio. It says Commander of the Eighth. <laughs> yeah, Commander of the Eighth. The Eighth is actually something I'm actually very grateful for. Because if you look for the tag on Modern M, it's the guy who started the eighth. And the eighth is basically using the seven deadly sins to your favor, right? So it's lust, gluttony, pride, 
agree with Rath and some others. So the way you use the eight is you become somebody else above those seven capital sins. You become humble and not proud. You become competent and not greedy. You become transcendent and not lustful. So it's the eight is basically a movement to help men become better men. And I kind of use their shadow to positivity and doing something with their lives. And that's just something I resonated with a lot. And the eight is actually a very powerful group and you will hear more from us in the future. Mysterious. How did you become a commander? How did that work? Or how did you, you know, get in touch with that group? We're a fairly large group. We, they keep an eye out on, you know, starting accounts. We kind of help starting accounts get bigger. Commander is basically like our ranks, right? So it's commander, lieutenant, uh, I think there's general on the top. And so like we kind of help moderate the group, right? And help people and boost them up, basically. And so the more followers you get, the higher your rank or how does it work? It's like uh, the more you contribute to the group, right? So the more you're willing to help other people. Contribute, quote unquote. Okay, okay, interesting. I'm still wondering, you know, about the start of your journey. A lot of people go to Twitter, they start tweeting, but they hit a wall because, you know, nobody's listening. They don't get any traction, no engagement. You said you uh, tweeted a lot in Spanish, got no traction. How did you come to the decision to, hey, I'm going to tweet in English, see how it goes? Why didn't you just say, I'm going to leave Twitter? Because the market in Spanish is like soccer, sex, and memes. And that's that's all you'll find on Spanish Twitter. I guarantee you, bro. And it's like, <laughs> I knew there was no market. But then when I looked at this bigger account, it's like, okay, so these guys do it. And that's why I tweeted in English. But to answer your question of, what should you do as a smaller account is you got to befriend people. Like you're not going to go far if you don't befriend everybody and kind of see that you're a cool guy. And this is something that's not hard because there's so many weirdos, bro, that, that are weird or they just want to like get quick money and kind of say, oh, please retweet me. Right. So if you're a guy who really, you know, who's friendly and knows how to wait, you'll do fine, right? And this is something I wrote that out. Something you can do, which is a little bit more expensive route, but it's something you can do still, is you, you could buy their courses, right? Buy new courses, people you want to connect with, and you'd be like, hey, I love this a lot, right? So I put it into practice and I grew from X to Y. I could give you a review. I could give you feedback. I loved it. And just don't ask for anything. Here's the here's the thing: don't ask. When I I befriended Chronicle Snake early on, the guy's a great guy, and he told me like the best business strategy is actually giving, because when you give, people are like, okay, who's this guy? You automatically stand out. Because this is not hard. Everybody wants to take stuff away from these bigger accounts. You can be the one that gives them something, and that just puts you in the one percent immediately. Right? So if you're starting out, getting bigger accounts helps. The leverage you're going to get is way easier. Yes, keep engaging, but don't be like, don't be a cookie cutter. Right? Just, you don't need another growth guide. Just get Oliver's. Right? So you, the guy teaches you a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so buy some of these guide, give them feedback. Don't ask for anything in return. Instead of, hey, I bought your course, retweet me, you owe me, blah, blah, blah. Even better, like give them a testimonial. This is something I learned from Tesh Dosa. I read him on, on his email list, which is if you want to give a review, don't just say, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. 
say what your objections were, and then say how the product solved it, right? So, oh, this growth guide, I was going in and thought, oh, this was a shitty growth guide, and it's the same thing as always, but I learned this many things, and now my engagement grew. Right? That's very valuable to them because they, they can put it on the copy page and they address objections. Yeah, and that definitely puts you on their radar, you know? Yeah. And so you're planning on doing something with more like a mindset thing, make men alpha again. <laughs> what, what are your plans? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. I just want to go over how to make men better. Because when I started out, you know, I, I had a fairly easy childhood, right? I had a good family. I had a good, you know, good education. So I didn't really do a lot. I didn't really experiment a lot of in life. So when I went to college, I was like, okay, so how do you talk to girls? How do you do things? Right. So I got a job in sales. I did so many things that, you know, this process is kind of painful, but if you can help people like kind of get them on good track and good habits, you can actually speed up the process. And that, that's what a teacher is for me, by the way, somebody who shaves off time from your learning curve so you can be better than them. That's what I want to do to me. Like kind of embrace their masculinity and help others. And what I want to do is I want to help them then maybe start a coaching program, maybe start an info product business. I don't really know. The thing is, if you get an audience, easier to figure it out along the way. It's better to start with an audience and then with a product than product and then look for an audience. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just kind of building an audience for men and maybe I'll launch a coaching product. But for now, I'm just kind of, I do have a product which is on my email list, which you get like an upsell for the free course, which is like tweeting people how to think in tweets and kind of weaponize the way they say stuff so they can say things in a maximally persuasive way. And that's something I see people lacking when they go into Twitter. They kind of lack the mindset that comes from, okay, I have this idea. How do I make it engaging? How do I make it viral and controversial and polarizing? I think that's kind of missing on people. So you tweeted like 2,300 um, times last month. Yeah. Probably 30 to 50 tweets per week. Would that be accurate? And then all the rest is like commenting on other people. How would you split that? I was actually surprised when I saw that number. I didn't think it was too much. I realized I've tweeted 14,000 times. <laughs> and it's too much, Yannick. I should spend less time on the platform. But most of the t- most of the things I do is I just reply to my own comments. Like If somebody leaves a comment, I just like it. And they're like, it's an opportunity to talk about. I just go in. But that's actually a very big number. I didn't expect it to be that big. So, yeah, I do like 12 a day on High Fury. And then everything else is like a couple off the hip. And I guess most of it comes from the comments, right? Because that's what I do. I just like go into comments and that just helps your audience see like, oh, okay, so JK cares, JK's looking. Maybe we can start a combo, right? What else does a 20-year-old do besides spending a lot of time on Twitter? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much it <laughs> for the moment. <laughs> but now... Um, I'm, <laughs> wow! No, I'm just joking. For now, I'm I'm trying to move away from Twitter. Not that I'm gonna quit it, but I'm, I just want to spend less time on it. Because I listen to Rosado's podcast, and this is something like the big players in money Twitter talk about, which is Twitter's just it's not the main business, right? Twitter should be like the like the entrance to your business, like the beginning of the funnel. That's how people know you. That resonated with me a lot. And I'm like, okay, so how can I 
move this to other areas? Can I move it more? I'm going hard on emails. Maybe I'll build a website soon. Yeah, so I'm doing that. I'm in college. I'm a computer science major at the moment, so that kind of takes a little bit of time. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, you would know, right? <laughs> I'll just say I'm better at tweeting than I'm at code. <laughs> so I kind of struggle. <laughs> I kind of struggle with a little bit. Uh, just just to watch YouTube videos, YouTube tutorials, and you'll you'll manage, man. You'll manage. Yeah, you just you know it's something that coders don't tell you is we copy paste a lot from Stack Overflow and stuff. Yeah, everybody does that. Everybody does that. And so right now, so this is really like still an unpaid gig, but you're transitioning towards different channels. So you're doubling down on email. You're creating your own website. You want to, you know, collect more emails. You eventually want to do coaching or sell, you know, a different type of... I don't know if it's not paid because it's been paying me a little bit because I don't really sell on the timeline because uh, I want to wait just a couple, just a little bit more. But I do sell an email, right? So that way I kind of practice my copy. I kind of practice how, you know, different times and different strategies... Because I actually had, you know, the job I told you about, I actually actually quit because of Twitter. I could leave my job because of it. You don't really need to sell on the timeline too often. You're better off promoting your email list and then upselling them on your email list than just promoting on the timeline constantly. That's what I believe in. And but if you look at Chris Johnson's timeline, you know, it's all selling. You know, it's not all selling for us, but he's doing a lot of selling and he's making a lot of money doing it. But like Chris is a monster, right? He's he's got a huge audience. But like, how many followers do he have? Like two hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, something like that. So, if you're starting, you can't really pull it off. Like, don't start selling on a timeline if you're like a, at a thousand followers. But you're way better off promoting an email list. Yeah, that's definitely true. Plus, you know, it doesn't add to your credibility if you say at 150 uh, Twitter followers, you say, "Hey, buy my uh, Twitter Twitter growth guide." <laughs> So yeah, there's definitely like a transition period, you know, where I spoke to Jose Rosado a couple of weeks back and he said, you know, if you sell like a Twitter growth course or something or, or whatever, when you, you're just not ready, as in you don't have the follower account to back it up, then you then it's just a money grab. But if you sell like, you know, hey, I'll design your Twitter header for 40 or 50 bucks, that's not a money grab. That's just being nice and spending time on something and getting a fair price for that. So yeah, for sure. I like it. Don't feel bad about selling. Just sell something people want, right? People want it header, so that's what Rosado did. Makes total sense. Yeah. And so LifeMath Money also has a little bit the same like vision on his account as you. He, he doesn't really sell a lot, you know. He does sales, you know, very rarely, and he doesn't plug a lot of his Twitter course, you know. He just mainly lives off the fact that people just – see his bio and then buy his uh, growth course or his uh, 90 day uh, get your life straight course I don't know I don't remember what it is but I guess it's a little bit the same vision as, as you is, is this also more like a long term thing for you that's absolutely it like you just hit it right in the head I, I, life math money is the account I would trade places with out of all of them I don't care if anybody's bigger than him I would trade places with him because he has the audience I want people who are interested in growing their Twitter and like something I know I can do and men who want to get better. Also tell your son this, which is I am. If you look at his webpage, it's fantastic. It's just testosterone, men, improvement, philosophy, stoicism. That's that's the account I want to be someday. And um, I do have a couple of tips for you 
and when you write tweets. So something that I do often is I think about not how I write, about how the audience receives it. So I believe that people like tweets based on what they find interesting, but they retweet things that confirm their beliefs. And that's why you see a lot of these things like, oh, you got to work hard and you got to be different. Just be different. Do something different. And people are like, yeah, I'm different. So they retweet, right? So what you want to do is you want to make people like kind of look at your tweet and think, how can this apply to me? Right? So a good tweet makes people go, hey, that's interesting. The best tweet makes people go, hey, that's me. There was this tweet that kind of made me realize this, which was there should be a section on Netflix, which is you can pay attention, but still be on your phone and still not look, lose track of the, of the series. Right. That, that had like, it was ridiculous. It had like 20,000 retweets. So I was like, okay, what makes this different? Right. And that's something you can do every time you look at a tweet that goes viral. Don't just, you know, try to engage with it. Cause that's one thing, right? You can, you know, you can get some success from that tweet. But something you can also do is you gotta, you can think like, okay, so what makes this tweet so, so good? Are there a couple of tweets that you just know and just look at it and you're like, oh yeah, that's it. So every time you see a good tweet, study it. That's one thing. The other thing is, this is something I talk about a lot, but I just want to nail it down is people follow you because you look interesting, right? But people will say you have a personality. So if you only talk about one thing, you're kind of closing yourself in this box. Right? Like show us what you're doing, show us your meal, show us what you're looking at. Be somebody, be vulnerable, have a thing. Like, you know, people started recognizing who I was when I started tweeting a little bit uh, with Spanish words. I use amigo, hermano, you know, stuff like that. So people can kind of say, oh, okay, that's it. And I think that was a little bit of what Jack Butcher talked about in your podcast too, which was like, you want to make like a pattern break on their heads. So when they see it, you're like, okay, so this is this account. And um, yeah, just a couple tips. If you ever have a viral tweet, just try to turn it into a thread. Don't just let viral tweets die. Don't just try to turn it into threads. Something else is uh, be funny. In the comments, I have this saying, which is be a sage in the tweets, be a bro in the comments. Just mess with people because then you're like, they recognize you easy. So at the end of the thread, you can ask them to like every tweet and retweet the top one. Uh, if you want to fight on Twitter, just don't because, well, there's the block button. Use it. You don't really want to get into drama. Right. So something about that Oliver is very, very good at and he teaches is you can improve the readability of your tweets. This is something I was talking about with Devin the other day. We're like, okay, so what makes a tweet like bang, right? And the thing is you got to improve the readability of your tweets. When people look at the timeline... It's not that they're dumb. They just have very low attention spans, right? So if your tweet does not flow perfectly, then it's broken. If you're going to make a long tweet, you got to kind of see, okay, read it out loud. Wherever flow breaks, edit, right? If you can't auto-read, this is a term I got from Joseph Isaac. If you can just look at a tweet and auto-read it, then it's not as good. Like you go driving, you see Burger King. You don't think about reading Burger King, right? You just do and that's the same thing you should be with your tweets. Try to edit them until they're perfectly like something else. Oh, this is something Live Mad Money talk about, which is the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't care who you are. <laughs> so just keep tweeting. Just this is such a trap, Yannick, because people go into Twitter and they're like, 
they go into the group chats and they complain, oh my gosh, the algorithm's so slow. Oh my gosh, this Twitter is not banging. Like the time you're using to complain and do that is time you could just go and create, schedule stuff and come back with better content. So don't just go into the into the algorithm trap. Take that word away from your vocabulary. It, it doesn't serve you at all. In the end, it's about what you tweet about and then... Twitter will find the audience that matches your tweet, you know. They'll start with people who are interested in that topic you're tweeting about. Twitter actually has, I don't know, like 50 different categories they put a tweet in. And then based on the categories, that's my assumption at least, first they'll look into, you know, the followers who've engaged with you or been in your timeline before, you know, in the past few, I don't know, days, weeks, whatever, then they'll show it to them. If it resonates with them, they'll probably expand the circle more within your first, you know, within your followers, and then it'll be expanded based on what engagement you get, you know? So it all starts with you resonating with other people, getting good tweets out, and then the rest will follow. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some days that the, the yes, the algorithm is low on some days, and that's all you need to know. Don't, don't try to go over like, should I treat at 5.34 or 5.36? It doesn't matter, right? You just got to overwhelm it. You just got to keep going and eventually it'll fall into place. Like it affects all of us, right? The difference is some of us would rather just schedule more and keep do- going at it. And some would rather go to complain and just don't, don't use that. And this is actually an advice Charles Miller tweeted, which was like, when I heard it, I was like, oh shit, Charles word bro he said <laughs> you'll take uh, my lesson from 15 months on twitter is you'll take this shit way too seriously and i was like yeah absolutely <laughs> we all do it's like oh my gosh there's drama let's just go oh my gosh there's a bad coming let's just see and that messes with you this is something my friends ask me like brother how, how do you come up with content like i can't come up with a lot of tweets, what do you do? And I'm like, the day I like I got better at content and started tweeting, like I think my record is like 150 scheduled tweets or something. You, you also do what your mission is. Like in two years, who do you want to help? Whose disease do you want to cure? Like for me, I'm crystal clear on that, Yannick. I want to help simps and I target my tweets to simps. And that's the guy who I want to help. Who do you want to help? Once you get that clear, and when you're crystal clear who your vision should be, you stop caring about engagement because you have a mission, right? You got something to go towards. And when you have that, tweeting becomes easy because you know who you want to help and you know you can. Because when you look at good content and you look at content that goes viral, you kind of get a vibe of what that is. And then you can kind of be better by just association because you're like, okay, this works. How can I give it my own twist? Right. So like have a vision, look at accounts that share your vision and look for them like like which tweets do well, study them and then put them into practice. You'll have content for days. Read a book, then come back in the morning and just tweet your stuff. You see something, be aware. Right. So you're you're walking. You just work that. How don't tweet about like a, a picture of your gym. You could tweet how it feels to work out, how your body moves. You're angry. How does it feel to be angry? You're sad. How does it feel to be sad? Thank you, JK. I think, yeah, Twitter is much more an art than a skill. It takes practice. You need to find your vibe and, uh, yeah, just keep testing. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. Just, just keep going, man. It was a pleasure, Yannick. 
That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe because next week I talk to Dan Go. Dan dropped out from high school, was in debt and overweight. At age 40, he's turned his life around and now runs a successful business coaching entrepreneurs to get in shape. In the episode, you'll learn how to create an online business if you're into fitness and exercise. Also, don't forget to leave an iTunes review. We need them. See you next week for the next episode of Hype Fury Presents.